You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1334 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you deep into the night on a Sunday evening, October 23rd into the 24th of October, and be starting the new week for the Hawks and everybody else on this Monday morning as you're listening to this podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And we thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. And on the video side, we are on YouTube as well. And uh, today's podcast is going to break down the Sunday night game between the Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, which was definitely a surprising outcome in a lot of different ways. The Hawks led this game for a little bit of the first half. They actually were up at double digits at one point, only to have the middle of the game really collapse. Uh, the Hawks lost the middle two quarters of this game by an 82. Yes, 82 and two quarters. 254 fashion. Uh, that was kind of obviously what transpired in this one, kind of flipped the game. And with this loss, the first loss of the season for the Hawks, they fall to two and one. That isn't disastrous after a three-game homestand, but given the uh, context of this one coming into the night and Charlotte's injuries and the home and the homestand and all that fun stuff. Not a great result for Atlanta in this one in a, in a lot of different ways. And now, by the way, as we'll touch on at the end of the podcast, Hawks are not going on the road for about a week and a half. A five-game road trip is looming for Atlanta after this one. But yeah, not a satisfying outcome for the Hawks. A lot of frustration I saw already from Hawks fans. It's just one loss. I have 82. That's something I'll preach throughout the season, I'm sure. I'll try not to get too high or too low along the way. But uh, it's a marathon, and this is still a bad result. Both, both can be true at the same time, and they pretty much are at this stage. So as we always do in the podcast, we'll dive into sort of the context coming into the game, and then we'll get into uh, how the game flow went, some takeaways, individual player analysis, and much more on the podcast. But we'll dive in right now. And this Hornets team um, is one that's a challenge. I am pretty low on Charlotte this year, candidly. And uh, part of that is that I don't think their talent level is all that high. But in this game, you wouldn't have noticed that necessarily. Um, they were one and one coming in. They're not two and one, of course. They had blown out the Spurs, and they, they had lost to the Pelicans at home. Um, we did cover the Hornets a lot last year because they played the Hawks in the play-in and their division rival of the Hawks, etc. They were a really good offense a year ago and a pretty bad defense a year ago. That's probably still the case now, although they have a different head coach now. and Steve Clifford, who's a little bit better defensively than James Borrego, probably. But the big thing is, beyond Charlotte's, you know, for me anyway, a roster that's not quite as good as the Hawks roster is, they were without three key pieces, especially two very key pieces of their roster. LaMelo Ball is still injured and is not playing right now. He is their best player. Uh, Terry Rozier is a guy who is not, not always the most like uh, solid necessarily. I think he's kind of a polarizing player, but at very at the very least, he's one of their top three or four players on this roster and uh, maybe their second engine on offense. And then Cody Martin is a rotational player for this team. All three were out in this spot. That's, again, their top two guards plus, and they're up to returning, returning score from last year and another rotation guy as well. And honestly, I said this before the game, and I still believe it right now. It's going to look silly. It's going to look silly now after this game is actually over. But I believe this. I think this current roster from the Hornets that was on the floor on Sunday is actually worse than the Rockets and the Magic rosters that played against the Hawks on the first two games of the season. So that makes this loss look even worse. But I do believe that as a piece of context. Um, on the Hawks side, just Bogey still out for Atlanta. No updates there. I know I got many questions every single day about Bogey's status. He's still not, still not doing anything live. So until that happens, the Hawks are not going to be great about getting timelines. Maybe McMillan's not going to be eager to share a lot of information, but he's not terribly close from what I can see. And that's kind of all I got at this point in time. Other than that, Jarrett Culver was inactive because the Hawks were just choosing inactives at this point in time. But that's kind of it in terms of the pregame stuff on the Hawks side. 
And our friends at Bet Online made the Hawks either a 10 or a 10 and a half point favorite, depending on when you looked at the game before actual tip off. Um, that was the same line basically as the opener on Wednesday, which of course they won against the Rockets. And it was actually a bigger spread than the game on Friday against Orlando, which kind of tells you again that Bet Online and the market makers and kind of the people behind the scenes viewed this version of the Hornets as at least equally bad to maybe even worse than teams like Houston and Orlando, but that did not matter in this game. So we'll go to the top of the contest as we always do on the show. And uh, the first quarter was the best quarter by a lot for Atlanta. It was actually kind of a sloppy start. They were one of five from the floor, two turnovers. It had some, by the way, some trademark uh, in arena shot clock issues in this one, kind of funny, but they got going a little bit in transition after the um, first couple of moments. And David Miller said this after the game as well, they, he, he, he did enjoy the pace early on. And so did I in watching uh in fact, there were three buckets in a row from Trey and DeJounte Murray in transition. Um, Charlotte was not having a lot of resistance. In fact, the Hawks had a 17-2 run in this game and lost by 17 points. That's crazy, though. But they went from down two to up 13 in the early going, and they made seven out of nine shots in that run. Charlotte could not score really at all at that stretch. Uh, rotationally, not a lot of surprises here, other than there was one little uh, sort of slip-up because it was uh, foul trouble-related. But as a Kongwu coming in early, then Capella came back in. Uh, the last two games that actually happened again, if you missed it on Friday, the Hawks kind of went out of their way, it seemed like, to pair Capella and Trey together and to pair Kongwu and Murray together by kind of getting Capella out a little bit earlier having him sit for a very little, a very brief time and then bringing him back in with Trey and then coming back out at the start of the second quarter. That happened again here. Uh, by the way, Kongwu came in and took and made a 15-footer on his first uh, stint. That was nice to see. He looked uh, pretty comfortable with that shot, uh, kind of took his time. It was smooth. It was it was wide open, but he definitely just buried it and confidently that was good to see. Um, then it was Aaron Holiday and Jalen Johnson and then Justin Holiday a little bit later. As we'll get into later on, AJ Griffin was the 10th guy who appeared, but it was not until the fourth quarter when the Hawks were already down by 20. So it's still a nine-man rotation, and uh, we'll get into more of that later on in the podcast. But the Hornets at one point in the first quarter had nine points in about nine minutes. Now, they scored 126 points in this game. So basically, in the final 39 minutes, they scored 117 points. That is not going to work for any defense. And by the way, that also includes a little bit of garbage time at the end where the Hawks were kind of just done the last three minutes, probably maybe four minutes or so. So this could have been 130 plus from the Hornets pretty easily with how things were. And that's with them opening three of 14 from the floor with three turnovers and there were three of seven from the line in the early going as well. Trey got his third foul and that kind of, uh, I'm not going to say that swung the game. That was a huge factor though along the way. That was the first time the Hawks had sort of altered their rotation this season really because they had they were kind of forced to take Trey out with three in the first quarter. I do believe that it's the right thing to do to leave Trey on the floor with two fouls. A lot of guys, Nate, Nate will kind of just default to, pull the, to pulling them, whether it's Capella or Collins or whoever else. I think Trey is the exception to that. I think that playing him with two fouls in the first quarter is the right decision. It didn't work out for them here. He's a pretty low foul player, though. You know, with three, you got to pull him. I get that. But um, I didn't mind that as a strategy, by the way. Just, just want get to out, get out in front of that. But it did flip things. The Hawks were much better with Trey on the floor in this game than without him on the floor. And uh, that was kind of a part of the flow Then sort of went against them in that in that stage from this point forward. The Hawks were up by 13 at one point in the first quarter, up eight at the end of the quarter. They didn't shoot the ball that well, but they had a 120 offensive rating because they were dominating the offensive glass in the first quarter. They had seven offensive rebounds. That was more than Charlotte had defensive rebounds in the first quarter of this game. Capella was on the glass for three offensive rebounds. Um, they did turn it over five times, but they got some good defensive stops in the first quarter. And uh, unfortunately, that kind of evaporated uh, pretty quickly after that, as we'll get into throughout this podcast. Um, yeah, in fact, let's take a stop now. We'll, we'll sort of change gears to get into the rest of the game because it definitely it definitely changed for the Hawks after the first quarter. And we'll come back in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Looking for a daily fantasy option this year in the NBA or anything else. 
Check out the Warming app and Prize Picks. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. I love it. I know that you will too. It's so very easy to use. I can vouch for that. I've been playing on a lot of different places over the years, and Prize Picks is by far the best. It has a variety of sports. And I really enjoy the daily grind of going through the numbers as well. And all you have to do is pick two to five players and weigh in on whether they have more or less than a certain number of points, rebounds, assists, or any other stat you might have interest in across the sports world. What if 10 times as much as your entry is on any single entry? And you're not just going against other people, you're going against the projections. And PrizePix offers numbers on any sport you can think of that you might enjoy. And that includes, of course, the NBA and college basketball, WNBA, NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, NASCAR. They have MMA and boxing, cricket, and much more. And entries can be done in just a minute or less. It's just that easy and that simple. Prospects also has, they have safe and fast withdrawals. They're operating in more than 30 states. That includes Georgia as well. And they're operating in Canada. And download the Prize Picks app today and go to prizepicks.com, sign up and play daily fantasy sports. And if you're a first time user, you have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will match that with $100. And if you deposit $50, Prize Picks will also, also match that all the, way to all the way up to $50. It's 100% deposit match. If you do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it all out right now at Price Picks. All right, we'll dive in now to the second quarter of this game. And uh, this is when things really started to flip against the Hawks. It was Murray and Collins plus the bench unit at the start of the second quarter. That did not go very well. We saw a little bit less of Jalen Johnson again in this game. He is definitely the number nine guy in terms of the playing time so far. Um, that's not a huge surprise, but he's not been playing all that well in my mind either. Um, anyway, though, the Hornets open with the first 14 points. Of the second quarter, take the lead. They erased an eight-point deficit, and it was actually once 13. It was a 16-0 run dating back to the first quarter, and a 25-6 run by the Hornets going from when the Hawks went up by 13 until then. That was also when Trey got a second foul, by the way. Uh, but the Hawks didn't score for more than three minutes at the outset of the second quarter. Um, I thought it was a really bad stretch for McConwu. He had a couple of uh, turnovers, at least one turnover, a missed jump shot, a foul that was pretty bad. Then Murray turned it over that led right to a bucket from the Hornets, and then Nate called timeout. And then after the timeout, Charlotte hit another three. So that whole stretch was just really rough across the board. They finally get Trey back in the game, down double digits, mid-second quarter. Um, they, they, were in the they were in the bonus quickly, got, got, the, got the, the laid down to five or so for the Hornets, but it was, it was stable for a while. It was 10 again with like a minute and a half to go. And the Hawks did close well, cutting the lead from 10 down to four. Um, I thought it was going to be pretty encouraging. Honestly, if you would ask me during, this, during halftime, I'll be honest about this. I thought the Hawks were probably in good shape here, down only four after being down by 10 plus, um, kind of clawing back and feeling pretty good there. Um, but down four at the half, the Hawks really offensively were not playing all that well, but not terribly. In fact, they had almost exactly the same lots of rating in both halves of this game. It was the defense kind of got away from them in a lot of ways. But they got twenty. They got they got to the line twenty times in the first half. That's a huge break. They did lose the turnover battle, which you don't want to do if you're the Hawks team who's kind of banking on being better than their opponent in that particular stat. But Trey and Dejounte had 29 points combined. Uh, Collins and Hunter had a rough half, I will say. Both those guys struggled offensively in the first half. But, again, it was the defense that was the bigger problem. Um, defensively, though, they got smoked in the second quarter for 37 points. Uh, we'll come back to this in a second, but uh, even worse than the third quarter. But 14 assists in the half for Charlotte in the first and seven offensive rebounds along the way as well. And, again, coming out of halftime, still feeling fine. It was the same exact deficit at the half that they had on Friday. And, again, they won pretty comfortably. But immediately – it was a 10-0 run, again, by the Hornets to go, up, to go up by 14. That was their large deficit at that point in time. It continued to grow later on. There was a, a three-point play by Capella to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit early in the third, but that was kind of the only brief moment of brightness and joy because the Hornets got back up back, back up to 15 pretty quickly. Nate was uh, pretty frustrated, uh, called a quick timeout. And, and at, that, at that point, 
In 27 minutes, the Hornets had 75 points. That's way too many points for that for that period of time. The Hawks did have their one run that came in the third quarter. It was a 9-0 to go from down 18 to down 9 again. Trey had five in a row. There was a little bit of wobbliness from the Hornets at that stage. There was a blatant take foul by Charlotte that was called and sort of a free point for the Hawks. But the Hornets, to their credit, just kept making shots. Like, I don't think the Hawks defensively were as bad as the numbers indicate in this game. They weren't great by any means, but the Hornets did make a bunch of shots. And credit to them. That's going to happen sometimes in the NBA. That's kind of how – that's probably the number one thing of how you lose a game to a team that you're better than in in the NBA is that team makes a bunch of shots or you miss a bunch of shots. I know know it sounds very simple, and it kind of is on some level. There's always stuff beyond this, and that's why we get into all of the stuff, not just shooting numbers, uh, you know, the turnovers and rebounding and free throw attempts, et cetera. But really the big swing in this game – was that the Hornets made a bunch of shots and the Hawks made misses a bunch of shots. And there you go. Anyway, um, the Hawks were at one, at one point, like as soon as Capella came out of the game in the third quarter, it was a layup line for a while against Takongwu in that smaller front court. Uh, it was kind of rough on that line. There was, there was a possession with about four minutes left in the third quarter when Nick Richards kind of got all the way to the rim, kind of, almost like untouched for a dunk. That was a tough one for a Kong with everybody else on the, on the, on the help side there. But um, there was a brief moment in the third when the holidays came in where the defense kind of stiffened a little bit, but uh, as soon as that happened, the offense kind of got worse and then the defense kind of regressed a, a little bit from there as well. There was a big corner three from Justin holiday. It felt like it was kind of an important moment. And I guess it wasn't in the end. Um, Joe Johnson struggled. I thought mightily in that quarter, the bench units basically just got rocked in the first three quarters of this game. And that was kind of a, a big reason why the Hawks were in uh, terrible shape there. Um, late in the third quarter, Trey Young, a technical foul. He wanted a goaltending call. And by the way, he was correct. If you watch the replay, it was definitely goaltending. It was uncalled. Uh, he got a tee. Charlotte did miss the free throw. So no harm done there, but that was uh, at least notable at the end of the third quarter. And then basically the Hawks are down by 20 at the end of the third quarter. And again, they gave up 82 points in the middle two quarters of this game. Charlotte scored 45 points in the third. They shot 71% from the floor. They were 5 of 5 from three. You know, no matter how bad you are defensively, you can't account for 5 of 5 from three and 70 plus percent from the floor. Uh, That's tough. Plus 10 of 12 of the line in the same quarter is a lot as well. The Hawks had a 139 defensive rating through three quarters. And again, the first nine minutes of this game, the Hornets had nine points. So from that point forward, I don't, have, I don't have the exact number, but I bet you the defensive rating for the Hawks was like in the mid-140s, maybe 150 range. It was that bad for a long, long time in this one. Um, we'll get into you know the rest of this now, but basically it wasn't all garbage time in the fourth quarter, but it was a lot of garbage time in the fourth quarter. Um, the headliner, though, was Edgy Griffin making his debut at the start of the fourth quarter. He didn't play a ton. He played a little bit. He came in in place of Aaron Holiday in the rotation. He had a three, he had a three on his first uh, first ever shot attempt in the NBA. Congratulations to him on that. Also had a steal and a finish in transition. Again, only only played like five minutes or so uh, before he actually came out the first time and came back in with a little, bit, a little bit of garbage time at the end. But I thought he looked good, looked crisp, and I certainly was not going to quiet the uh, the calls to play Jay Griffin, which we'll come back to in just a second. But the Hawks were at least smartly, I thought, trying to get threes up and push the tempo a little bit in the fourth when they were down by twenty. You kind of have to play a high variant strategy when you're down by twenty points to get back in the game. But they, they couldn't they couldn't make a bunch of shots. You know, AJ made his one um, three at the top, but. Holiday, I think, was uh, two or three in a row that he missed. There were decent looks. A couple other guys missed some looks as well, and they were down by 18 with like eight minutes to go. There was one more breadth of life. Um, Trey hit a deep three. That's kind of the 15 or so. And then uh, after they fouled, the Hornets missed both free throws, which allowed for the home crowd to have some free Chick-fil-A, and they get a stop there. And then a dunk for a Kongwu with Trey setting that up in beautiful fashion. And then uh, Plumlee ran over uh, ran over DeAndre Hunter for a offensive foul. And then John Collins had a dunk, and it was down to 11 with six minutes to go. Now, you're still a big underdog down 11, but it was 11 versus 20. The 
the home crowd was into it, et cetera. That was their one opportunity to kind of close the gap a little bit. But uh, after that, they were down 13, and I thought it was a big swing. I'm not trying to pick on, on Hunter on this one, but Hunter had a wide-open three in the corner, like wide-open three. that would have got it to 10 uh, that he missed. And then from there, it was basically uh, Charlotte gets a layup because Trey goes for a steal that he definitely had no business going for. That was an easy layup for them. Back to 15, a couple of trips on both sides. Then the Hornets score again. It's 17. It was probably it at that point. And it was really over with about three minutes to go when Hunter fouled Kelly Oubre on a three. He made all three, all three free throws, and it was up uh, they're down 20, and that's the end of the game. So, yeah, with like 140 to go, they empty the bench, and uh, not much to be said about the garbage time minutes in this game. But it was pretty hideous at times in the second half of this one. And again, really the middle of the game, 82, 82 to 54 in the middle section, the second and third quarters of this one. The offense was not the problems we'll get into, but yeah, it was uh, pretty rough. So offensively, we'll start there. It was not horrible in this game, a 109 offensive rating. And I will say without ball and Rogier. Charlotte's defensive talent was actually better in this game than it normally is. They played more of their guys. You know, Dennis Smith's not a great defender, but he's probably better than Lamelo. Kelly Oubre, same thing. Like he's just they have a little bit more size when they're playing Hayward at the three. Um, they were playing obviously more of their backups. Richards had a great game off the bench for them. JT Thor is very very large. McDaniel's um, even even Tail Maladon, etc. But still, 109 is not going not, not to be good enough against a team like the Hornets playing at home. And again, the biggest thing was the shooting stats. The shooting splits were just horrible for Atlanta compared to what Charlotte was able to do. The Hawks shot 41% from the floor in this game, which will get you beat every night, but it's not great. And they were 8 of 35 from three. That tells the story in a lot of different ways. In fact, I'm not going to pile on just yet, but three games, the Hawks are shooting 30.8% from three. And I think if you watch the film, and I've seen every minute of of the season so far, most of it more than once, it's pretty stark. The Hawks don't have a lot of shooting on this roster. And I've said that a lot already in the offseason. I'm, I'm sure a long time listeners are, are, are kind of done with me saying that, but it is true without bogey in particular, the Hawks don't have enough shooting. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Now they're still going to shoot better than this. There are some guys on this roster that are uh, below their numbers right now than they normally would be at, at this stage through three games, you know, Trey's shooting has been a little bit shaky so far. I think he's at like, you know, 25% ish for the season. That's pretty rough for him. That's going to come up. So that's just one example. Um, you know, Hunter and Collins today combined to shoot one, one of 12 from three. And those guys actually have been pretty good so far from three. So um, a little bit of noise there. It's still early, but three-point shooting has been a challenge for the Hawks. And they're also below average in attempts. So that's not a great situation necessarily. They did well, actually, everywhere else. Other than shooting, the Hawks did pretty well on offense. They actually did a great job protecting the ball in this game. A 12% turnover rate is very, very good. It, they had an offensive rebound rate over 30%. That's very, very good. Second chance points. They were 23 of 28 from the free throw line, which is very, very strong. Their passing was just fine. 23 assists in this one. That's like about their average, maybe a little bit below that. But with the turnovers, that's totally fine. It was just that they didn't make shots, and the Hornets made a lot of shots. Um, in fact, defensively, the full game defensive rating was 126. That is very bad. Um, and honestly, it was much worse than that before the – basically the final five minutes of almost garbage time. It was in the one thirties, the entire way. It was uh, really, really rough. Now I will say it's, it was pretty incredible balance wise from the Hornets until the very end. They didn't have anybody that even had more than like 17 points. They ended up with two guys with 20, but they had eight guys score at least eight points. Um, yeah. Nick Richards had 20. That was kind of the one outlier, but an Oubre had a big game um, of, of the starters, but it wasn't like anybody just singularly killed them. They just kind of had a great shooting game around, around the entire roster. 
They were 11-26 from three, 52% from the floor. They, get, they, had 11, they had 28 assists, which is a lot for this team, especially without LaMelo Ball. Um, 14 turnovers is not terrible for the Hawks to be co- uh, forcing that many, but not like outstanding either. Um, the Hornets had 30 attempts at the line. That's a lot. And they had um, a lot of offensive rebounds as well in this game. So basically the Hawks, if you look at their defensive um, baseline stats in this one, they're all bad. Essentially all of them are bad. So this is definitely a defense first loss. Um, part of that, again, is the Hornets being very hot shooting wise in the, middle, in the middle quarters. But the Hawks were not good defensively for the most part in this one. And uh, we'll come back to more of that in a second. But that's kind of the story of the, of the game as it was. We'll come back um, in a moment and talk about the individual players and some more uh, final takeaways as well as a look ahead to the rest of this week and beyond. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. It's time now to go into the individual players in this one. And uh, a lot of not great performances, as you might expect, for a game that went as poorly as this one did. Um, we'll kind of ignore the guys who came in with two minutes to go. Your Tyrese Martins, Trent Forrest, Vic Krejci. They came in late. Uh, not a whole lot to be said about those guys. AJ Griffin, we'll go there now. Um, a lot of questions, as you might imagine, people wanting us to follow up with McMillan about rotation stuff. Number one, Nate does not like to share information about rotations. That's for sure. I try to ask. It kind of always looks at me crazy when I do that. I know others have that same kind of uh, same kind of vibe. But I will say he, he got a question about the rotation after the game. I'm going to play the answer for you now. It's kind of having to do with AJ, but also just generally speaking, uh, them playing nine men so far, rotations every night. So this is what Nate had to say after the game on Sunday. The nine is a, you know, pretty much the nine-man rotation that we're probably going to look at. I think all of our guys uh, have to be ready to go, pretty much like AJ tonight, if we want to, uh, you know, switch him in place of one of the nine, uh, or if we want to go ten-man rotation. So all those guys are available. Um, you know, we're still working on rotation as well. So there you go. Not a hugely satisfying answer. And I will say this, um, people have kind of, at least that I've seen people kind of asking questions that I've seen on Twitter, have kind of focused on AJ Griffin versus uh, Justin Holiday. That isn't the comparison I'd be making. I think it's Aaron. I think it's actually Aaron Holiday. Um, Justin did not shoot well in this game. Um, but number one, I think Justin is a better player than Aaron. Um, number two, I think that shooting wise, Justin is a better shooter and a more willing shooter than Aaron. And uh, I think generally speaking, Aaron is the guy that if the Hawks were to go away from someone in, to use Edge Griffin, it would probably be Aaron Holiday. Now, if you get an injury to Trey or DeJounte, you'll see Aaron again because he's more of a ball handler in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, if people got, kind of ask me again, like, would you play AJ? I've been saying the whole way. I like to see a little bit of AJ. I understand he's a rookie. And I think that Nate's going to trust the veterans always. But um, would it blow me away if they went to AJ over Aaron Holiday in the next game? No. I think uh, Aaron is a reasonable veteran player, but I'd be probably trying AJ at, at, at different points. And I think basically, as I've been saying since the summer, with Bogey out, just having a shooter out there like AJ would be very significant. Like he's not always going to shoot two or three from three every night. Like even he as a great shooter in my mind, a great budding shooter is going to shoot probably 40% in the league. Um, multiple times like he's not going to make every shot but the threat of him is important and i think i think you probably want to want to see that at some point am i going to yell and scream about it no not yet but i think that it would be worth trying a little bit more often when you're and when you're not down by 20 as they were in this game when he came in the game but anyway he played well i thought he looked good um obviously a small sample size about five and a half six minutes but uh, i thought it was a positive step for him individually um jalen johnson struggled i thought three points two rebounds um he does have the size that you look for in the in the, in the burst but Offensively in the half court, he doesn't have a whole lot to do right now. I think maybe if you're going to play him, 
put the ball in his hands a little bit more. Defensively, he's having a, a lot of young guy moments. Like, obviously, the size is really intriguing, but he had a couple of breakdowns that were pretty obvious in this one. Didn't play all that well. Aaron Holiday struggled mightily in this one. Two points on 0 of 4 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3 in 14 minutes. Um, had a steal and a turnover. It was minus 22. That's rough. Uh, Justin Holiday, same thing. Three points, 1 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, had a block, but that was kind of it for him. And again, those bench units, I talked about them earlier, but um, anytime Trey was off the floor in this game, the Hawks were getting smoked. Um, and it wasn't all just because Trey was off the floor. It was that the holidays struggled in this one. Jalen really struggled in this one. So those units that they have, those guys together, that trio together was not playing well in this game. And I thought Okongwu had some moments, but um, pluses and minuses there. We'll get to him now, actually. Uh, 10 points, five rebounds, did have a steal and two blocks. He was better at times. Um, I thought Richards really went through him a few times. I think defensively, he's had much better nights. I've, I'm very high on Congo's defense. This is not the greatest night of his defensive career to this point. He finished well around the rim, had the uh, the one jumper as well. I thought he was okay. It had some weird downside moments, though, for him. Had some nice upside moments, too. Again, the two blocks and the steal, et cetera. But I think that he w- he'll be better in the future than he was tonight. Um, to the starters. The guy who played the least was Capella. Uh, him, him and Kongo basically split evenly because the Hawks were playing a little bit faster, which makes a lot of sense going with the Kongo when you're trailing. I thought uh, Capella had kind of an interesting game. He had 14 points and 10 rebounds. So a double-double there. He had a steal and a block. I thought the first half, especially the first quarter, he was really good defensively, like walling off the rim, um, contesting shots, um, not necessarily blocking them, but just being in the way and being really good. He also kind of, uh, along with everybody else, let up a little bit in the middle of the game. I'm not sure if that was just because he didn't have the juice or whatever, but I thought it was a mixed bag for Capella. And generally speaking, I think Capella is more valuable than most believe that he is. I would say that about this game as well. But uh, he was part of those a uh, couple of those units that got that got smoked with the bench, like the Murray units that were not playing very well. Um, anyway, I thought it was kind of a mixed bag game for Capella. He wasn't terrible by any means, and the double double does mean something to me. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, Collins and Hunter both struggled offensively. Now I thought Collins was awesome defensively. He was probably the only guy on the team that I would say like graded out as good or better than normal defensively in this one. I uh, had four blocks and he had 10 points and rebounds, four blocks and a steal, um, but he didn't shoot the ball well. After being incredibly efficient and productive the first two games, Collins was three of 12 from the floor and 0 of seven from three. So he's actually three of five on twos and four of four at the free throw line. Just didn't have three point shot in this game. Him and Hunter combining to go one of 12 is kind of untenable in a lot of ways. I thought Collins played well. He just missed shots and that, that's going to happen sometimes, but I thought he was pretty good on the whole. Um, Hunter, was quiet in this one. Wasn't his best performance. 10, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, though, which is good to see him sort of moving the ball there. And he was 3 of 6 on 2s as well. Just didn't shoot well from 3. Defensively, not his best, but uh, that was kind of the case across the board. I thought Murray was okay. Um, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, and a block. Portajante had 4 turnovers, though, the most on the team. Um, Efficiency-wise, actually probably the best guy on the team, other than the centers of 7 15 from the floor and 2 of 4 from 3. But I thought he was just okay. And then Trey... Again, kind of a weird one for him, too. I think defensively, he kind of regressed. He was probably a little bit better than usual the first couple games. Not not as much in this one, but he had 28 points and 9 assists in 33 minutes. He didn't shoot well. Um, and again, he's I think for three games, he's like 25-ish percent from three. But he was 7 of 17 on twos, 2 of 8 on threes. Um, and if you combine, if you want, I, I mentioned it before, but the 1 of 12 from Collins and Hunter, you can go a little bit beyond that. Uh, Collins, Hunter, and Trey were the three most prolific three-point attempters in this game they combined to shoot three of 20 what are you going to do that's kind of what happens i thought trey when he played was good the foul trouble definitely hurt them in this game and uh, he'll have better nights at the office so i don't know it was it was a mess for sure i'll just say this at the end of the podcast um so far through three games again a small sample size the offense 
has been the bigger problem. Now, tonight, it was the defense because the Hornets made a bunch of shots. But three games, the Hawks have a 108 offensive rating. That's not good for a team that's built like the Hawks are. On the bright side, they have a 107 defensive rating, which is excellent for how the Hawks are. That includes tonight. So he's even better than that. Now, they've played against three pretty bad teams. I know they lost to the Hornets, but I can tell you with confidence, this current edition of the Hornets from Sunday is a pretty bad team. They just happened to play well tonight. But the Hawks needed to go at least 2-1, preferably 3-0 against the three teams. Um, kind of a tough loss in that respect, but it's not the end of the world. Um, and yeah, from here, as I tore teased out a little bit a couple times now, we'll look ahead. Um, the Hawks go on their first road trip of the season. Obviously, they had the very, very long trip um, to Abu Dhabi. And then when they came back, they went to Cleveland and then Birmingham and back. Uh, but now after being home for you know a week and a half, basically, between the end of the preseason and the beginning of the actual season, they go on the road. It's a five-game trip. It's, the, it's tied for the longest trip of the season for Atlanta. They play on Wednesday in Detroit. And then they play again in Detroit on Friday. It's one of those baseball-style series that the Hawks have um, sort, of the, sort of the NBA has kind of put in the last couple of years for travel purposes. They play two games in three nights in Detroit. The Pistons are not going to be great this year, I don't think, but they are pretty talented. And those are road games, of course. Then they go to Milwaukee, they go to Toronto, and then they go to New York before they come back. The Hawks don't have a home game again until Saturday, November 5th. So basically 12 and a half days between games from Sunday early evening to next Saturday between home games. So if you are looking to see the Hawks in person, it'll be a little while. Anyway, more, more challenges to go. I've said it before a number of times. These first five games are pretty friendly Detroit, you know, even though on the road, those are games the Hawks should be able to be favored in at this point, but then it gets much tougher from there. You play Milwaukee on the road, you play Toronto on the road, even the Knicks who are definitely you know, frisky and well-coached and uh, yeah, nothing is assured on this road trip. So we'll see how they fare. I think three and two would be a very strong result, I think, generally speaking, on this road trip. But we'll come back and we'll have every step of the way covered on this podcast. Last thing, you know, it's one of 82. I know I'm going to say that a lot of different times this season. This is a bad performance. Anytime you're favored by 10, 10 and a half points in an NBA game and you lose by 17, that is not good, especially when there was like no injury or whatever that sort of ruined the game for you. There's foul trouble stuff. I know people won't throw with the officiating, but you don't lose by 17 points because of officiating, at least against a bad team like this. So, uh, one to kind of write off you're hoping for the Hawks and we'll see how they fare later on this week. We'll have full coverage. We'll have at least one show between now and the game on Wednesday. I can promise you that maybe even two, but at least one will be in the feed. Please subscribe to the podcast across podcast platforms, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and then YouTube on the video side. Please leave five-star ratings and reviews across platforms as well. Follow us on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Rolling. If you have a question for the show, fire it to us at Lots on Hawks at gmail.com. That's Lots on Hawks at gmail.com. I do appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. Hopefully uh, enjoying this show, despite the actual results of the Hawks in this particular spot. Enjoy your week and the start of it on Monday. And we'll see you later on this week.